We are going to come into land for the time being on our series Covenant People. We're going to pick it up again in September. Um, but this is the last one um, f- before we have our August, which we just looked at a minute ago, how that's going to be different. And so we've been looking at in this series through the book of Acts, Covenant People, the whole idea of what it means to be a people in covenant with God and particularly God's promise to us in terms of providing us with his Holy Spirit and what the spirit filled looks like, spirit filled life looks like uh, when we are in covenant with God. And um, bef- today's going to be a bit of a, a bit of an unusual one. It's something that's not preached on. Uh, much in terms of what it means to be in covenant with God, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But it comes all the way through the scriptures. You can't get away from it. And it's this idea of suffering, suffering for the name of Jesus. And so I want to first of all just begin, um, not in the book of Acts, but with two verses from the, uh, from the book called Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to look at, uh, just, just going to read to you Philippians chapter 1, verses 29 to 30. Fascinating words. Uh, Paul, who writes to the Philippians, he says this. He says, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Let me read those words again. Let's listen really carefully to these words. For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. It's a fascinating thing that he says there. This word granted in the Greek, it's charismai. It's where we get our word charismatic from, which is where we get words like grace and joy. And so what he's saying is he's saying God in his grace, in his kindness, in his generosity, has given you the opportunity to, to not just believe in Jesus, but to suffer for his name. I mean, there's so many layers to that. There's so many depths and riches that we could mine in that. But as we look in our, in our passage in Acts today, I think you will see where, where, where the grace of God is in it. And that this isn't something to be avoided. This isn't something to be shied away from. This isn't something to kind of pretend is not there. But part of God's grace to us is that we get to suffer for the name of Jesus. I've called this uh, sermon Stoned and Slaughtered um, or Slaughtered and Stoned. I've deliberately called it that name, um, but we're going to save that for the end of the sermon because it's got a double meaning to it. Um, So Slaughtered and Stoned, well, as you read through the passage, you'll you'll, you'll see the first meaning, but then there's another meaning we'll look at at the end of it. Um, You know, Jesus said, uh, a servant is not greater than his master. If If they hated me, uh, and then, then they will hate you. Um, Paul or elsewhere talks about, I just want to know Jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings. It's a thing that comes through again and again and again. And I love it where Paul says, you saw that I was engaged in this conflict and we're going to be engaged in this together. This isn't something to disengage with. This is something to engage with. Hardship for the name of Jesus is not something to disengage from, but something to engage with. It's part of our covenant relationship with God. Let's look together at Acts chapter 14. Here's the context. Paul is on his first missionary trip. Paul and Barnabas have been sent out from Antioch in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're on their first missionary journey. So if you've got a Bible with maps in the back, they often show you one of the maps, Paul's missionary journeys, and each one has got different color line. This is Paul's first missionary journey where they first go to Cyprus and then to Antioch in Poseidon. And then we're going to pick it up in, cha- in, in chapter 14, we're going to read the first 
seven verses together of Acts 14, where they arrive at Iconium. Now, Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. So what we've got here. Firstly, our, our two apostles, Paul and Barnabas, they've been sent to go and preach the gospel. Before we go any further, I just want to address perhaps the question in your mind, which is, yeah, what does this mean for me? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I'm not an apostle in that way. I'm not, I'm not a preacher in that sense. You might be thinking, I'm, I'm a nurse or I'm a teacher. I'm a builder. I'm a musician. I'm a business person. I'm a chef. What, what, does this, what does this mean for me? So although not all of us are called to this kind of missionary work in exactly the same way, actually there is something that is over all of us as believers that we call the Great Commission and as brilliantly put in Adam's Equipping Evening the other week. It's not the great suggestion. It's not an idea. Maybe if you want to embrace it, it's a commission. The king has laid his hand on every one of us. And so even though when we read these stories of Paul and Barnabas and others throughout the New Testament, you might think, I don't know if, I, if I've been called to do it exactly like that in exactly the same way as that. That doesn't really feel like that's me. And you can be tempted to go, well, we'll just leave that. No, 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 no. They are caught up with the same great commission that each of us are, but they're working it out according to what God has gifted them to do and where God has placed them. So it doesn't mean that everyone has to be full time missionaries or full time preachers. But it does mean this. It means that each of us has this extraordinary commission on our lives where we are to play our part in helping people find Jesus and grow in Jesus and experience the incredible forgiveness and new life that is found in Jesus. So it could look like praying for your neighbours and for your colleagues at work, offering to pray for them. Can I, is there anything I can pray for you for as a way of just opening the door for them to experience something of the power of Jesus Christ in their life. Could be that you invite people to church and to Alpha. It feels a bit funny inviting people to church when it's online, but I tell you, August, we are deliberately setting up the services so that they are specifically aimed at those who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus. So they can find out more about him, inviting people to online church, inviting people to online Alpha, which starts again in September. It could be that. It could be sharing your story. Just sharing your story. Sometimes it's with people that you know. Other, other times you might just see someone and God just stirs your heart. You feel compelled. I want to tell that person what Jesus has done in my life. And you can just ask them, excuse me, is it OK if just for a, for a moment I can tell you how Jesus has changed my life? It's extraordinary how many people are open to just listening to that and don't feel threatened by that. Um, it could be street preaching. You know, some people, this this kind of stuff that we that we see in the book of Acts, you know, Paul would go into synagogues often and also other times marketplaces and just find whoever he could and start talking about Jesus. It could be that that is that is the way for you. You know, there are definitely certain people for whom that is the most natural way 
for them to share. That's nothing to be ashamed of. That doesn't make you weird. We're all different, all gifted in different ways. It could be that you're someone who's really good at leading Bible studies and you, you, you've got people in your life that just have got deep questions and big questions about the Bible or about other things that the Bible answers. That You'll gather them and begin just doing that together. Um, could be just that, that just that sense of trying to connect with people that you don't know, but that you bump into during life, whether it's a, a shopkeeper or a waiter or a waitress, if you're eating out or something like that, where you can just offer to, to pray for them, ask them anything you can pray for. These are all ways, different ways that the Lord uses us. But, but the same commission is on us that is on these guys. And I want you really um, to see that. And so here we are, they're in Iconium. And the first suffering we see here is that they're having some success. Many people are turning to the Lord. But then some people arrive and they begin to poison their minds. We are told that it's very strong words there. Um, They begin to poison their minds against them, against the Christians. Things are said. Maybe there's rumours that begin floating around. I remember years ago when we lived in South London, myself and Davina, we ran an alpha in our flat. We just invited our neighbours and we had a, a, a front room full of people doing alpha, alpha for a while. And then one week the atmosphere changed. It just felt really difficult, it felt really negative. Uh, it was surprising, it was strange. Uh, and then less and less people started coming and then we didn't know what, we, we were totally confused, disorientated by it. And then one of our neighbours um, shared with us honestly what, what someone else had said and, and rumours had begun and people's minds had been had been poisoned um, against us, and you could see that the enemy really was at work. That people were finding out about Jesus, but the enemy had started to go to work. This happens, unfortunately. Um, the aim is the aim is to discourage us. The aim is to deflate us. The aim is to make us bitter and defensive. I guess ultimately the aim is to silence us. Look at their response in verse seven. I love this. Um, they heard word got round that they were about to be physically attacked, stoned. And so they, they fled um, and there they continued to preach the gospel. So it seemed like their time was up there. Something had happened. It got things, something had got into people's heads about them. Um, there was no longer any use for in that moment trying to win these people over. It would have made things worse. So they just got out of there. But then where the, when they went, they continued preaching the gospel. They weren't silenced. They weren't deflated. They weren't discouraged. It wouldn't have been easy, but they were not discouraged. This is a very, very powerful point. You might have found that. People have misunderstood your efforts to share Jesus and show the love of God and people's minds have been poisoned. And even even to the point where certain relationships you find, I, I don't know that at the moment I can even access that anymore. There seems to be a closed door there now relationally and in terms of sharing. And sometimes you have to just live with the reality of that. But we, we mustn't let that silence us. Um, that you've, you've, you, you've been, it's been appointed, it's been granted you by the grace of God to suffer for the name of Jesus is that's part of suffering. I mean, I think, well, why? Well, you know, there's a mystery to it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think we can answer it all, but I, I do know that through this, you also grow closer to Jesus because you experience what he experienced. He was maligned. He was accused falsely. Rumours were told about him. And so you, it's called the fellowship of his sufferings. You grow closer to him through it. Your, your motives are purified because any motives that were about trying to get recognition for yourself or try and make yourself loved or any self-seeking motives are quickly dealt with when this sort of thing happens so you get purified so God uses it you know in many ways but it is mysterious but there's there's grace for us in it and I think and I want to show you something really encouraging at the end about this which I think will really make your heart leap 
Let's move on. Verse 8. Now at Lystra, the next place where they'd gone, there was a man sitting who couldn't use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news. You should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Wow. Here a different kind of suffering happens. It's a bizarre thing. They, the power of God is at work. This man gets healed. It's a wonderful moment. Paul's preaching and somehow in the Holy Spirit, he sees this crippled man has got faith to be healed. Um, which, which interestingly, I would imagine, we must assume that part of the gospel that Peter preached was the gospel of healing. Otherwise, I'm not sure why this crippled man would have had faith to be healed if that wasn't part of the message. So I do think there's a good provocation to us as we proclaim the name of Jesus. We proclaim salvation for the whole person and that the Lord loves to touch our bodies. And at the end of this uh, sermon, I want to pray for the sick. I want to pray. And if the spirit stirs your heart and gives you faith for healing as I'm preaching, let's be looking to him expectantly. The Lord still does these things today. But it's an extraordinary thing. He sees that he has faith. And so he just speaks to him in a loud voice, doesn't whisper it to him in case it goes wrong. He says in a loud voice up on your feet. We're told that he springs up. It's wonderful. It looks like here we go now. Now we're rolling. In the last town, it didn't go too well. But now we are rolling. But before they before they know it, you see, he's speaking into a context where this is a pagan context. They would have been used to worshipping all kinds of gods. And part of that would have been the plethora of Greek gods and um, and they jumped to completely the wrong conclusion and, 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 and completely missed the gospel they've been hearing. And, and they go, wow, the gods have come to us. So so they completely get the wrong end of the stick and start worshipping Paul and Barnabas. And there's, there's a suffering here. They've been pointing to Jesus. And the power of Jesus has been demonstrated. Wow, God is at work. But the listeners have got completely the wrong end of the stick. You ever done that? You ever shared Jesus with someone? And you think, wow, God's at work. And then they start saying things and you think, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You just, they, they either just think you're really amazing. I wish I could be like you. Or they start telling you about something else that's completely unrelated and that isn't going to bring life that's futile. We're told that Paul and Barnabas tear their garments. They're mourning. They can't believe it. What they've done in the name of Jesus has now led to more Idol worship, more worship in a false gods. It's a it's a tragic, tragic thing. It's, it's, it, this is a, it's a strange sort of suffering when you share Jesus and you, you feel like you're getting through and you feel like God's at work. And then and then the person you're speaking to 
they say something that completely betrays the fact that they've not heard and not understood they've not understood the message they're still entrenched in strange ideas that don't bring life they've not understood the clear message that god so loved the world that there is one god creator of all overall sustainer of all father son and holy spirit and god so loved the world the father sent his son the father sent his son as a gift to us to live the kind of life that none of us could live on our behalf to die the death that all of us deserve on our behalf to be raised from the dead in glory so that as we trust in him we might be utterly forgiven for every terrible thing we've ever said, or thought or, or that is wrong, sinful, every dark thing, everything that sits on our conscience and makes us feel unclean on the inside. He's dealt with it at the cross. Hallelujah. He's taken it away and he offers to remove it from us as far as the east is from the west and offers us a life lived, not an easy life, but a life lived with a clean conscience, a life lived in relationship with God, a life lived that is eternal with him, where, where death will not snuff us out, death will not lead to judgment, that death will translate us into an age of glory. We can live with him forever and we can taste the reality of that today by the gift of the Holy Spirit, all freely, all purchased for us. This is the gospel. It's such good news and we long for people to hear it. And, and we feast on this wonderful Jesus Christ day in, day out. And it hurts when people don't understand it. It hurts us. But again, what's their response? What's their response? You see, they could have so easily gone in on themselves. Oh, we said it wrong. Oh, we didn't. Oh, I, knew I, I knew I was rubbish at sharing Jesus. Oh, I've shared Jesus. And they've gone into even more idolatry. Woe is me. I'm never going to do that again. No. No, not at all. That's not their response. That's not their response. Their response is they, they go and they plead with them. Leave your futile ways. They just keep on going. <laughs> They're not overly introspective. Brothers and sisters, those of you that are believers in Jesus that are listening today, we mustn't get overly introspective. We mustn't, we mustn't examine ourselves to the point that we always end up in despair. <laughs> Things won't go perfectly and we do make mistakes. But mistakes from a good heart, God will cover. God will gladly cover. Sharing the gospel imperfectly, you know, the Lord can use the tiniest bit of truth to bring life to someone. And it seems here as well that, that in the way it goes is that sometimes the best preached sermon with the most power can lead people somewhere else other than to Jesus. We have to leave it with God and trust him and be peaceful about that and not go in on ourselves it's so important and for those of you that are listening today that you're not yet you wouldn't yet say that you're a follower of Jesus that's not quite where you're at yet I want you to notice that that uh, Paul says to me says that you know look at how good creation is look at the amazing things you get to enjoy look at the sun and the rain and the food it produces and and how God fills your heart with gladness as you enjoy all his good creation Paul says that's that's a witness he says, God hasn't left you without a witness. Jesus has come, but for millennia before that, look at the goodness of creation. Look at the amazing things that we enjoy in life. It's a, it's a witness. That's the word that he uses. It points to something. It's God testifying of his kindness, his generosity. Whether you believe or not, these are good things that we all get to enjoy. And so it's ever so important that we, that we have an understanding of the good things in life, that all of us get to enjoy, whether we believe or not. They come from him. They come from him. And when you get to know him and you know who you're thankful to, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> to know who you're thanking, to know when you actually say, thank you, Lord, for this gift. 
and you know who it's come from. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Third and final part of suffering, verses 19 to 23. The Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. When they'd reached, when they preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they'd appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So it goes from the threat of being stoned to being worshipped to being stoned. Um, and we do see here the, the fickleness really of people we're all we're all a bit fickle we can be easily persuaded easily easily influenced this way and, and that way we this is why we just absolutely uh, build our life on the unchanging Jesus Christ and the unchangeable scriptures because we're so easily um, blown this way and, and blown that um, but here actually he gets stoned and left for dead it gets bad it gets ugly now it gets brutal the gloves are off if you like there's no more uh, subtle attacks here now they haven't they won't stop preaching <laughs> and so it goes up a gear to this uh, their response Paul walked straight back in to the city where it happened now <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to say about that uh, that's an extraordinary thing to even talk about um, I've thought about it does that mean that, that if that sort of thing happens we must all do that but I don't think so, because earlier in the story, when they heard it was going to happen, they fled to another city. So it's not a formula. But I do think that what I would say is, is that God gives grace in the moment sometimes to do extraordinarily bold things. In the moment, God will do it. I, I've known moments, I've known horrible moments where I, I've not been relying on God and I've seen my own cowardice. I've seen my own uh, self-preservation. It's really very discouraging. But there have been other times where I've been prayerful, reliant on God. Um, and he's enabled me in the moment to do uh, really brave things, really things I know I couldn't do in my own power. It's just been an, an enabling to do it. And I do think that we just need to learn to increasingly depend on him and look to him um, because it's not a formulaic response to Christian life. Sometimes when, when we know there's trouble ahead, we cross the road, you know, get out, get out of the way. Don't, don't meddle. Don't be a meddler. The Bible says that. Other times there's a grace, there's a leading of the spirit. No, this is a moment. Get involved. Walk straight Walk straight back in. But the reality is, is that sometimes the suffering can get up to this, this level here. So there's, a, there's an extraordinary thing that we see lived out here. This verse from Philippians, it's been granted us by God's grace to suffer for Christ's name. Here are some examples of that. Um, these, are, these are principles here that we see. Like I said earlier, um, the way you go about your life, what you're called to, and uh, it, it, it will look different from Paul and Barnabas. It might look the same. You may be called to the same thing. But many of us, most of us are called to, to a different way, a different, a different way of filling our time um, as a nurse or a teacher or a builder or a musician, um, but infused with this absolute commitment to speaking of Jesus, absolute commitment to, to sharing about him, to not being silenced, a commitment to helping people to grow in Jesus, to come to know him and to grow in him. Now, 
I just want to look at this story just by way of ending now and just say this looks like a real mess, actually, doesn't it? You think this is a mess. <laughs> what you know, people are getting saved, but it's all going wrong. But notice here, we're told in verse um in verse 21, um that 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 on their way back to Antioch, which is where they'd come from, they visit all of these other cities where these things have happened. They visit Lystra, they visit Iconium. And we're told that they strengthened the souls of the disciples. Churches have been planted here in each of in each of these situations. In each of them, I've just gone through. Churches were planted. Gospel preaching and church planting is a messy business. If you try to calculate how it's going by worldly means, you, you you'll get it wrong. Okay, it's not business. You don't go with a business plan. It's a business. So, you know, it's a kind of a steady uh, steady growth. That's not how it works. Okay. There's no guarantee at all that that is how it works. We go and we share Jesus. The mess is okay. Lives get changed. Jesus builds people together that have the Holy Spirit because they have the Holy Spirit. They want to be together. They want to learn how to grow together. They, they, there's, always, there's always mess. There's, there's mess going on as a result of COVID-19 all around the world, but also in the church. We're having to figure stuff out. It's not straightforward. It's, it's unpredictable. Okay? It's, mess. it's a mess. We've, we've hit some mess in, in, in the whole conversation around ethnicity and, and looking after and loving one another well from different cultural backgrounds and different ethnic groups. It's a bit, it's a bit, it, there's been some mess, there's been some pain, there's been some hurt. Okay? It, it's not straightforward. It's not straightforward. It hurts. There's suffering involved. That word in the Bible, suffering, is pathos. It basically means to experience suffering. <laughs> so it basically just means that you feel this is hard. That's, we've been appointed to that. Now, for the sermon title, Slaughtered and Stunned. I thought it was quite fun to call it that because those are kind of uh, euphemisms for being drunk and being stunned <laughs> as well, as being slaughtered and stunned. Um, and from, from, from my perspective, right, the way I see it, very often when people are slaughtered and stunned, it's because they are disengaging. They want to escape. They want to run away. Run away from the difficulties, run away from the responsibilities, run, in a way, run away from conflict, run away from hardship. Okay? And so as Christians, there's a way that we are slaughtered and stoned, <laughs> sometimes literally, but there's a way that we're not to be slaughtered and stoned. We're not to run away from difficulty, from hardship, to drown our sorrows, drunkenness, substance abuse, just going headlong into, into escapism. You know, Paul says that, we are, we, that you are engaged in the same conflict that I'm engaged with, that we are not called to disengage. He calls us to be strong. He calls us to be humble, teachable, to, to, to get involved and to walk through the mess and through it, he will build something glorious, okay? The Lord's going to do amazing things through this season, I believe it. I don't think it's going to be straightforward. Uh, I think there's more surprises in store. I think we're learning that life is unpredictable. I don't think, I'm not going to give you a lot of, kind of assurances that will then come to nothing. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. We build on him. We build on him. And he will do something extraordinary because the kingdom that he is advancing and that he is building through us is unshakable. And so I want to just speak strength to you guys. So let's keep building. Let's keep talking about Jesus. Let's keep investing in people. The best legacy of all is to invest in other people. Just keep pouring all that the Lord's put in you. Share it. Pass it. Let's keep investing in one another. Look what the Lord will do. The true church will come through in glory, in splendour and in wonder. And I'm going to finish now in prayer. 
I'm going to finish and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I particularly want to pray that those of you among us that have not yet come to know the Lord, you, 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 you're, you're maybe you've got questions, you're seeking, you're listening. Maybe something's going on in your heart. You think something's happening. And I want to just pray for you in the moment in the name of Jesus, that God will just touch you. God, often in the Gospels, Jesus would say to people, what, can, what do you want me to do for you? So before I pray, I want you to just whisper a prayer to the Lord. Say, here's what I want you to do for me. Okay, might be a, a physical healing. It might be a difficult situation that's beyond you. It may be depression and heaviness. Okay, obviously, for those of you that know the Lord, you do this, you know how to do this, you do this. You're totally welcome in this moment. But I'm particularly wanting to give some attention at the moment to those who don't that ask the Lord to answer their prayer as a way of showing he is real and Jesus is Lord. So let's just, just whisper your need to the Lord now, wherever you are. Just whisper your need. Just tell him. And Father, I thank you that you heard every whisper, every prayer. And we just thank you now in the name of Jesus that your power is released. When we come to you in the name of Jesus, your power is released. We thank you for the amazing gift of your son. Thank you so much for giving him for us. And thank you that he has become to us the wisdom and the power of God. And now I pray in the name of Jesus for the release of extraordinary healing. I pray for miracles, provision, breakthrough. I pray, Lord, for the work of your spirit to come now. You would break in all across where people are listening, across London, UK nations. I pray for the work of your spirit, Lord, to bring breakthrough, provision, healing, miracles in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord. What is needed? I ask, Lord, that you would come and meet it. And I pray, Lord, for some, they would know instantly God has done it. I pray for others, Lord, in the hours and days that follow, they would see the works of God. So we just open that door to you. We bring the faith that we have to the table and we say, Lord, would you release extraordinary things among us for your glory so that we can see and know who you are and love and trust you more and more deeply. And I pray for us as a church as well, Lord, that you would take us from strength to strength. You would settle worried hearts. Lord, that word in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Settle troubled hearts, I pray, Lord God, and renew our confidence. In Jesus' name. Amen.